Oh, today's flying by. Flying by. Beautiful day. Weather's warm. We've had Tim Allen host the baseball postgame show. Sean Merriman, the former linebacker, sack master for the, uh, for the Chargers, talking some MMA, talking some UFC. We've talked about Pat Murphy. Talked about the Bucks. Jay, Jay Crowder now down for the next two months, basically, because of the groin issue. Leaves him a little bit shorthanded. Bucks got a win, but now they're off to Toronto. We'll talk with Jim Ozarski coming up at the bottom of this hour. Uh, we can hear, if we want to, if we want to, um, what Craig Council had to say in his opening presser. Uh, but yesterday, yesterday, the um, the uh, head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Matt Lafleur, met with the media after that tough loss in uh, in, in Pittsburgh, and I wanted you to take a listen to it. This is let, let's do this. This is uh, Matt Lafleur talking to the media yesterday. What happened with the run defense? I had a chance to go back and look at it. Well, it was a combination of missed tackles, missed assignments. Um, you know, there are a couple times where we got where we were playing single high defense, where it's solo gap football, and you had two guys in one gap. Um, there were a couple times where they got us in some two safety looks, and when they when you do that, you're going to be a little bit short in terms of your front, and they took what should be, you know, five, six, seven yards gains, and they made them into explosion plays. So uh, there was a lot of things that we could have done at a much higher level. Is that, I mean, this three 200-yarders after you gave up 130 in two weeks, I mean, it's just... It's, well, it's National it's, Football League, you can't rest on what you've done lately. Every game's a new challenge, and uh, you got to have a good plan for that. And um, just need all 11 on the same page. And like I said, we had a ton of missed tackles. And then if you get cut out of gaps, that uh, you're not doing yourself any favors. Matt, have you seen uh, Rashawn get more looks? And by that, I mean, you know, more double teams, more chips lately. And how, how can you guys and he counter that, that so he can be more productive? Uh, it's no different than what we did to their guys. You know, it's just, it's the nature of it. And, um, you know, the outside of, you, you can try to create, five O's or whatever uh, up front in, in terms of being man-on-man man and basically put five defenders over top the five linemen, but you still could get a chip unless you're willing to put somebody inside, which is always an option as well. Matt, what would you, you like best about what you saw from Jordan yesterday? Well, I thought he was playing comp with a lot of confidence. I thought he was pretty decisive, made some big-time throws down the field. Um you know, he kept fighting and battling and gave us an opportunity right there at the end of the game and obviously came up short. But, uh, you know, I, I just see a guy that continues to grow and develop and learn and is, you know, takes the coaching really well, uh, takes accountability for when we're not playing at the level that we'd like to play at and um, is, is, is a great example for all these guys. Getting some chunks, obviously, you're – Red zone out two and nine, I think, the last two weeks. What's kind of going on there? Yeah, it's, um, it's disappointing. I think when you really look at it, especially in particular this game, we had some opportunities where, quite frankly, if you want to be a good red zone team, you typically have to run the ball effectively down there. And we had a couple ops 
we weren't as effective and put you in some uh, third down situations. And it's always a struggle down there in third down. So, um, you know, just got. I think it starts with our run game. Matt, um, you talked about Jordan taking coaching. So after the Rams game, you talked about letting it rip, right? And I assume you had that same conversation with him. You didn't just tell us. So when he, when you talk about that with him, how do you approach it? And then how do you see him apply it? Because that's what a coach wants, right? Is for guys to take coaching points and then go put them to good use. Yeah, it, but you're still all, you're always coaching them on, you know, the decision making. Um, it's one thing to say, go let it rip, but you're making a bad decision to, when you let it rip. Um, so you're always, you're uh, constantly coaching them on decision making, his footwork, the timing of the play, um, trying to get his body in, in a great position to make the throws. So, he, and he's been great. He's really receptive. Um, and we expect that, you know, to continue. And I think that the better that people play around him, I think the better he'll perform as well. Maybe along those lines, how do you get Christian going or maybe how does Christian get himself going? Because, I mean, he made somebody a big plays flasher so you know that he can do it. Yeah, I think he just needs to go out there and, and play fast, play decisive, and play confident because he's a guy that has all the ability. Uh, he's a big guy that can run, and we need him to to show that every opportunity on, on tape. You can't just, if, if guys are going to get up in, in your face and want to bump you, you got to be in attack mode, and you got to keep people, you got to come off the line of scrimmage with a great stance and start and and try to work people's edges and, and get on top of them that way. Are teams defending them differently in that regard as far as to getting up in the face and all that? Compared uh, to no, I think every game's a little bit different. On the interception, was that not the right read? I guess what I did. On the first one, was yeah. that you, uh, you know, I, I think if he throws a perfect ball, there's an opportunity there. I think there's a lot of things that could have uh, gone differently on that play in, in regards to we got to make sure that uh, when we're running a double move you want to always run the first move first and put your eyes back to the quarterback um, to maybe get a defender to bite but uh, you know you got to give it up to to Patrick Peterson he made a hell of a play on that play and and did a good job of batting that ball back to Keanu Neal and they made a play so um, but yeah do I do I think it was necessary? You know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, he was decisive, and you know, we got to live with it. But um, I'd say typically when they when they are playing a, a shell defense, usually that's not where it goes. That's a you know, Rogers used to always say, guys have to run the route to win, even if it, they're not really in the pattern, because you never know when I'm going to go to them. Did you is is that an example of you have to run that route like you're like you are getting the ball. No, I totally agree with that statement in terms of you want to run every route to win. Um, I just think a lot of times, what from my past experiences dealing with wideouts, tight ends, running backs, whoever that is running a double move, a lot of times guys lose their patience. And if you're running, we call that a, a, an Omaha pump, so a quick out and up, you want to make sure that you flash your eyes and run the Omaha portion of the route to hopefully get the defender to bite to open up the second portion of that route. Like Musgrave was right next to him. 
I thought Luke did a really nice job of getting his eyes back. We, that's a stick nod that he was running. And, um, you know, he ran the stick portion of the route, hopefully to get the, the guy covering him to undercut the route and opening up down the field. So that's where you would have liked the ball to have gone then to him? Oh, potentially. It, it's just um, – or, or backside because we had uh, – Tucker was chipping and he ran a little check down. I don't think the basic was was coming open, um, but yeah. Bottom line is you don't want to turn the ball over in that situation when it's a. Uh, I think it was a four point game at that moment. Or was it a one? No, it was a four point. Looking back on the uh, block PAT, what did you guys need to do differently on that? Yeah, we just we got to get our eyes on our work and make sure we punch the near shoulder of the widest rusher. Hey Matt, what is what is um, do Wicks and Reed have? You know, we were talking a couple weeks ago about how you were seeing more zone coverage and guys, young guys having to figure out where the places are to sit down and, and find holes. Do those guys have a, a just a natural knack on that, or have they developed kind of quickly over the last several weeks? What have you seen from those two guys? Yeah, I think they've shown a lot of progress in terms of just understanding timing and spacing and. Um, how a different coverage or a different coverage contour can dictate your route. and um, But that's part of the growth process, and those guys have, have done a nice job with it. I think they, they have a really natural feel for running routes, um, and, and they continue to progress and make the plays when, when we go to them. You're facing three really good quarterbacks coming up. Um, as a play caller, do you have a time? We got one really good quarterback coming okay. up. With that one really good quarterback coming up, do you have? Do you go into a game with a, maybe a different mindset as a play caller, knowing that maybe you're going to have to keep up? Absolutely, I think that's one of the focus that that we do as as a coaching staff every week is how do how do we win this game as a team? Uh, that is a conversation every week before every game. But the corners hold up. Do you think? No, it wasn't a. Extremely challenging day for them, unfortunately, with the run defense. But yeah, I mean, there, there was a couple plays that you'd like to have back. Obviously, we got called for a DPI. That was a critical penalty on a third down that led to a touchdown. Um, but I thought there were some some really good moments as well where we did a good job when they took opportunity balls on the outside. Corey Ballantyne had a couple PBUs. Um, they went at him like twice in a row on a, on a second and ten, and then on third and ten and. Uh, he made the play. He made the play right in the two-minute as well uh, when he was bumped up into the boundary and made a tough contested play. And so I thought, you know, all in all, I thought they did a pretty nice job. Hey Matt, you made it very clear yesterday that there are no moral victories. You know, you start out your first three years here, what, 39 and 10. Um, so you didn't have to worry about even thinking about those types of things because you got a bunch of real victories. I'm wondering how you're balancing, though, like you talked about during training camp. We have to focus on the process. We can't be solely focused on outcomes. How are you balancing that? Because you obviously want to win every week, but it looked from the outside looking in that your offense had a ton of growth yesterday, even if you didn't win. Yeah, that's always it's always tough because you want to – when you're focused on your process, you're, you're focused on just improvement – getting better each and every day, just maximizing your opportunities. And I think our guys are getting better. 
um, now we got to capitalize on some opportunities. And that's not just offensively. I would say in all three phases, there was opportunity out there. And um, again, you got to give Pittsburgh a ton of credit. And, uh, they made the plays and they made more big plays than we did. Um, but, you know, we had three takeaway opportunities on defense that, and we came away with zero. Um, obviously, we had a, a major miscue on, on the PAT field goal. Um, you know, we can't kick a, have a kickoff go out of bounds. So there, there's a lot of plays, you know, in all three phases that kind of, they all add up and um, it, it's tough to overcome when you have too many missed opportunities. Is that a function too that like, you know, Jordan's at a different place than his predecessor was. You guys still made mistakes on those other teams too, but you had a guy that could maybe erase some of them and Jordan's not at that point yet. Is the margin for error just different in terms of making mistakes that you don't get mulligans? Yeah, I, I think that all depends each and every week on who you're going up against. Obviously the margin for error for some teams is much different than it is for others. And we knew going into this game that the ball was going to be paramount. They hadn't, the, the two times that they had lost the turnover battle, they were 0-2. When they won the turnover battle, they were 5-1. and So we knew it was going to be huge, and they won it again. So now they're sitting at 6-1 and when they went, win the turnover battle. And we haven't, I don't think we've won the turnover battle since week two. Uh, so... That's been a problem. We're not getting enough takeaways, although I do think that there was one opportunity out there that didn't go our way for whatever reason, um, and then we, we gave it away twice. Uh, I'm not trying to get you fined. Good, because I'm not going to get fined. Would you, would you have liked them to have just said, hey, we blew the whistle as incomplete, and at least given you your, your replay challenge back? Would that have been a reasonable compromise there? No. Okay. I was going to ask you about that play, but since reputation is etched, um, the, the whistle did blow, but Brashan was almost ready to pick it up. That's a recovery, right? Even though the whistle blew because the, the rule is down. it's got to be clear and immediate. Okay. <laughs> and it was clear and immediate, but that's not what, to my understanding, that's not why it was overturned, or wasn't overturned, I should say. You have, you have the zebra technology thing out in the hallway, and you have all this, well, not you, but the league has all this unbelievable technology. I have that in my house. We're, I don't know what it's talking about. Yeah, we can't, the kids can't find our cell phone. Yeah. There you go. Is it, it's like, what the hell? I mean, you can't figure out how to, the can't, league can't figure out how to mark a ball, whether it's that play or, or the crossing the goal line or first down markers. It's just yeah. uh, baffling. Now Bill's going to get one. <laughs> more, um, you, you talked about the run defense a little bit. You said yesterday that you knew they were going to run the ball. Is there a is there a conversation to be had about you kind of know what a game plan is going to be, so you have to maybe change some of your personnel grouping decisions when you're preparing for a team that maybe has an inexperienced quarterback that's probably going to lean on the run? What was your question? Is that something that you guys maybe didn't do a good enough job of contemplating going into the game? No, I thought, I mean, we, we threw some different looks at them. We played base to 11, we played penny, we played 
I mean, obviously, you always play nickel. I mean, they're a big 11 personnel team. So we threw some different looks at them. Um, but obviously, the execution, certainly some of the play calls could, could be better. But uh, the execution needs to be better as well. And we need to tackle better. Uh, so I think there's, there's plenty of blame to go around there. So, so I, I, I should have asked this better. So there were a couple instances where you guys were in nickel with the two down linemen. And they, there were a couple. That is baffling to me when people talk nickel defense and they talk about two down linemen because I don't know what that means. You've got two true down linemen. You've got two inside linebackers. So outside linebackers, just so you know how us in this profession view outside linebackers, when you go to nickel defense, they are defensive ends. Okay. And we have some of the bigger outside linebackers in this league. So I think it's comical when I hear people talk about, oh, they have two down linemen. I'm like, to me, people are exposing themselves when they say that. Like, there's four defensive linemen on the field. When we go out there, basically, when we play teams, 3-4 defense is not something new, right? That is our base defense. But when you go nickel defense, those outside linebackers become defensive ends. And the way we always judge it is, would you want a running back blocking that guy? Would you want a running back blocking Preston Smith? Would you want a running back blocking Rashawn Gary? The answer is usually no. So they are defensive linemen. Okay. So I was just going to have a field day with that tomorrow for me. Um, so you, you felt good about your personnel because they did get you on some of those plays, whether you want to call them Absolutely. Guys I mean, yeah, done. and we, we got to execute better. And certainly there's times when you would like to not be in a split safety defense, no question about it, but um, because you are more susceptible to the run when you're playing shell defense. And it, a lot of it is, is it a cover two look where the safeties aren't in run support? Uh, I mean, Pittsburgh ran a ton of two-shell versus us, especially in the second half, and they were still able to stop the run pretty effectively. So every game's a little bit different. Obviously, there's different versions of quarters coverage out there where some, some of the quarters coverages, the safeties are hard run support players where there's other version of quarters where they're a softer, we call it a palms coverage, where they're not as quick to trigger into the run support, so you are left with a lighter box. And that's where it's important when you do that. You see a lot of teams that like live in the, the cover two world that will do run stunts up front to kind of mash up the front a little bit to get the combinations off to help, whether it be a linebacker or maybe a lineman misses their block, to help with when you have a lighter box. But, yeah, there's a lot of things that certainly, anytime you give up 200 yards in this league rushing, it's obviously not a good day for you on the defensive side of the ball. So collectively, um, not only do we have to, we, we obviously have to coach some things better. We've got to put our guys in better positions. But our guys at times, when we, especially when we're in single safety defenses, when we have, when they're, when it's, there's a saying, one gap or one back equals one gap. Everybody is gapped out, and you need the people to show up in those gaps in order to stop the run. And when somebody loses their gap or gets cut out of a gap, that's when you get gashed because 
they're not where they're supposed to be. Or if somebody misses a tackle, that's where you get gashed. So was it good enough? The bottom line is no, it wasn't because we, we knew they were going to run the ball. They ran for, what, 205 yards, over five yards a clip. That's usually going to be a tough day at the office. And, um, you know, give credit to them. They, they made a lot of people miss. They did a pretty good job up front. I thought, uh, you know, for a lot of the second half or, or really after the first three drives up until the tail end of the game, we did show some some very good examples of playing good run defense. It just it took us too long to get to that point because I don't think uh, there was anything that was presented in that game that our guys were not prepared for, that we didn't practice, that we didn't rep. And that's, that's what's disappointing. We've got to be able to take the execution from – we always talk about taking the drill work to team and then you take your teamwork to game day. And it just it didn't show up, and that's disappointing. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to get on you. I, didn't know, I have no idea what you said. There you go. So Matt LaFleur gets pissed off when people say they don't have the down lineman. The bottom line is this, and I, I want to get into this real quick. Um, when you know myself and others will say, you're pulling a lineman off. What they are saying is, is no, we have four down linemen and we're pulling the nose tackle out. But what you see on TV, what we see in person is two outside linebackers. Your tackles are then out of the middle, thus leaving your middle linebacker exposed to stuff the run because you're in nickel. You're bringing in that extra back. Okay. So. He gets mad when he says, well, you don't have down linemen. No, our outside backers are our down linemen. I get that. But when they're running up the gut and you go to nickel and leave the middle of the field exposed is what I think people talk about. And he says, well, it makes me laugh. It shouldn't make you laugh because we can see it. So I understand what he's saying. You know, four down linebackers, five defensive backs, a couple of uh, or uh, four down linemen and down linemen outside backers he considers down linemen. So you go to four down linemen, your two linebackers, and five defensive backs. That's a nickel defense, okay? You pull the nose tackle out, you bring in an extra out, uh, bring in an extra defensive back, and therefore you've got your two tackles, your outside linebackers, your middle linebackers, and then the five DBs. Okay, I get it. But what we're saying is, is that when you've got a team that is relying on the run and you go to nickel instead of base, when you go to nickel, you're pulling the you're, TJ Slayton, the guy. You're pulling him out in the middle, and your outside backers are crashing, which leaves for the three, four interior linemen, two guys to block. So who's stopping the run? And that's the argument that he gets pissed off about because we call it something different, and he just says, no, we have it. But the argument is you're getting beaten the run. Your run defense is not good, and you're only running two down, down by meaning down in a three- or four-point stance lineman. Only two. You don't have the extra guy in there to stuff the run or suck up the block to allow the linebackers to stop the run. That's the argument schematically as to where he wants to get technical on us because the coaches and the team knows more than everybody else, but it's what we can witness and what we can see, and hopefully that explains it. Uh, I'm woefully, woefully late for a break, but I wanted you to hear that.
wanted you to hear that because I thought it was something that was rather interesting and a little back and forth in yesterday's presser. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everywhere you look, from groceries to utilities to gas, prices keep going up. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin can dramatically help lower your energy costs year-round by replacing drafty windows and doors in as little as six weeks. And now you can save even more by taking advantage of no interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Whether you're updating or upgrading the look and comfort of your home, Pella has extensive lines of customizable options to meet your needs and your budget. Replacing drafty windows and doors can dramatically lower your energy costs. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy efficient windows in the industry. 0% interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Set your free in-home consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends 11 2023 Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michael Show. We continue on. I know we're uh, we'll be catching up on breaks and such, but we got to get him in. Jim Ozarski, our guy on the ground, covering the Milwaukee Bucks. Joining us, Jim. How you been, pal? Hey, I'm good, Bill. I'm good. It's uh, Bucks feeling a little better about themselves after last night. Yeah, I was going to say it's been kind of an up and down start to the season, to say the very least. So. Uh, well, let's first of all talk about Jay Crowder because he goes down now. He's with that uh, the groin issue. He's going to be out two months. What does that do to their depth? Yeah, it look they they were really leaning on Jay Crowder. You know, going into last night's game, Bill, he was the third leading you know minutes uh, getter, even above Brooke Lopez, which you know uh, might be worth evaluating too at some point, but. Um, and look, he was making 52% of his three-pointers also. So he wasn't just sort of out there being, you know, the the big wing, so to speak, on defense. Um, he was contributing when needed on offense. So that is a, a substantial loss for what Adrian Griffin's trying to do. Um, also a veteran. And, and so now this is going to fall to Marjan Bochamp and, and rookie Andre Jackson Jr. And so we're going to see, Bill, um, you know, those are two players who you could say athletically fit Adrian Griffin's defense the best. <laughs> um, but look, it's a second year player and a rookie. Um, and this team is, is kind of struggled out of the gate. So we're going to find out real quick here if those two guys are sort of up to it uh, to, to help this team kind of kind of get through this early part of the season. The uh, the I, to me the level of concern has gone maybe from a three to about a four or a five. They just uh, you know just don't they can't hang on to a lead. They haven't gotten big plays when they've needed them other than opening night, which was uh, exciting. And we all said, okay, this is the team to beat. But they certainly have crashed back down to earth. What has been the problem with this team in your eyes? I mean, it, it does start on the defensive end, Bill. Um, it, it they're just they're bad right now. Um, all the numbers say it. Uh, they're they're bad at rebounding, um, which is really strange because they were one of the best rebounding teams in basketball the last five years. 
So uh, while we can maybe explain away some defensive issues as they try to incorporate new schemes, new, new things to do at various points in the game with different personnel, the rebounding is pretty fundamental. Um, so, and the transition defense has been horrific. Um, it seems like guys just aren't sure who's supposed to get back, who's supposed to be crashing offensive rebound. So I would say, Bill, it's, it's the defense, it's the rebounding. Um, because on offense, despite all their issues, Damian Lillard not being able to shoot, missing a couple of games, Chris Middleton on a restriction, they're still one of the top scoring teams in the league. <laughs> so so it, the issues are all on, on the other end of the court. The, uh, when you talk about the scoring side of things, has everything kind of worked itself out and everything is good? Are they still trying to find their offensive prowess or consistency? Because it seems like they'll go on runs and then they go cold, and then they go on runs and then they go cold. It all equals out in the end, but has the consistency been there? No, and, and look, last night was a great example of that. I mean, they went on four different runs, Bill, where, they outscored, where, where the Bulls didn't score. 40 to nothing. 40 points unanswered at various points of the game. And, and clearly that was a huge difference. The Bulls outscored them in those other, those other moments, right? Um, and, and look, when, when the game, when things bogged down, though, Bill, Damian Lillard hits four three, free throws in the fourth quarter. Giannis imposes his will. So that's the good part. If you want to look at the wins and some of these close wins, they haven't shot it well. Chris isn't all the way back. But in crunch time, the two stars play like stars, right? Right, Bill? So you, you want to project ahead to the postseason. When we know things slow down, you're like, okay, these guys can do that. <laughs> it's the rest of it. Look, Jay Crowder is going to be a loss. 52% of threes. Not a, that's not a small thing. Um, but I think, Bill, it's when Chris is finally allowed to play 30-plus minutes, and we don't know when that's going to be. He's still at 20. Um, that's when we're going to see consistency, in my view. Because they, you just can't know what everyone else can do unless the third best player on the team is out there the whole time. So right now they're getting through, um, and it, but it's not the problem. I mean, again, they're a top ten scoring team. Is real quick, and and then I'll let you go. But I is there a level of concern, or is this thing they they feel that they've got kind of a handle on it? And then the second part of that question is. How has Adrian Griffin adapted to become a better head coach in the National or in the National Basketball Association to be able to manage what he has on the floor and not allow it to regress or frustrations to begin to boil? Oh, great question. So I, I don't think there's concern. I, I think that's a strong word. I mean, Chris Middleton kind of pushed back against that idea after the loss in Orlando. Even Giannis last night said, hey, we're 10 games in. If this was game 70, maybe this is a different story. Damian Lillard, same thing. He said, look, guys, we, I've been on teams that started 9-1, and one, missed the playoffs. I've been on teams that you said were struggling, quote-unquote, and were 2-8. and eight. He's like, we're 6-4, and four, and we're struggling. So I think the players are, are sort of well aware of their ceiling. Now, in terms of the second part of your question, I think Adrian Griffin is learning day-by-day, day, Bill. Um, but the thing is, is we're seeing it. You know, the, the veterans go to him after Toronto and say, look, let's get a win. Let's get Brooke involved. What do they do? They do it against New York. He blocks eight shots. They win the game. You know, Giannis gets tossed. Adrian Griffin says, hey, man, like I need to, wow, I, I need to stick up for my guy. Adrian gets tossed the next game. Not Now, granted, he didn't want to get ejected, 
but he he sort of realized, wait a minute, I've got to protect my guy. I can't have that guy <laughs> get ejected for technicals. Yeah. So we're we're seeing we're and and the drop for Brooke has been um, more evident than it was say the first two three games of the season, even if Brooke maybe isn't playing as much as he'd like. So Bill, I think we're seeing the growing pains of a new coach, but I think the way he's going about it in the locker room, which is the most important place is still connecting is still working it's just it's just yeah right now and six and four look it's not great but as dame said look we've got seven more 10 game stretches left <laughs> he's like right. looking at it that way and, and you know judge us as as they get a little further down down the road here hey real quick uh brooke lopez i thought he had a tremendous season last year is it just the fact that the minutes right now that it's a little bit herky-jerky trying to get into a rhythm for him yeah, I think it's strictly the minutes. And, look, they're asking him to do a lot of different things. And, look, at 36 years old, Bill, Brooke looks good. He's moving well. He wants this. There's been no other player on the floor more often than Brooke Lopez diving for loose balls. I, I, I think Brooke and Adrian, that's they're trying to figure out how they work with one another, where he can be offensively and defensively. That Bill put a pin in this question. Because I think we're, this is something we're going to have to monitor as the year goes on here. Always good to talk to you, Jim. Uh, thanks for the update, and we will talk to you again next week, okay? All right. Sounds good, Bill. Talk to you then. Perfect, pal. Talk to you. There you go. Jim Ozarski of the Journal Sentinel following the Milwaukee Bucks for us. Always appreciate it when he's on. Good stuff from Jim. Good stuff. Let's do this. We'll step out. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. we got a lot to get to. I know we pressed against time because we went long in that first segment. But stick around. A lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everybody's buzzing about Quick Trip's possibly pilfered potatoes. We have them priced so low, some say they're illegal. Swipe potato fries, potatoes ill-gotten, stash browns. Come on, these are not hot potatoes. But it is a quick hot savings. You might say it's a steal. No, don't say that. 99 cents for a five-pound bag. Five pounds of potatoes under a dollar? What a heist. A perfect score for those large meal gatherings. Quick trip. We got your taters covered. You got to hit it, make it, rock it, put it in the pocket. Hit it, make it, rock it. 38 years they have been in business. Today is their anniversary party. Steny, second of national in Walker's Point. 38 years they've been down there. The uh, Lake Country location, it's coming along. That's not going to open until 2024, but uh, 38 years they have been in second, uh, the corner of second and national. And that's the reason I'm wearing the Stenny shirt today in honor of their uh, their anniversary party. they got a big party going on tonight, as uh, as they do every year, but uh, just to say thanks to their, their, their patrons that have kept them in business. I mean, I've always said that's like the cheers of Milwaukee. Everybody knows everybody. You walk in and... It's an eclectic mix. I mean, it's, it's you know, young and old, families, singles, uh, people in the community down there. I mean, it's just it's anybody who's anybody has always, at some point in time, has been to Stenny's. And it's just, it's been a staple of Milwaukee. It's like Sobelman's. It's been a, st- a staple of Milwaukee for so long. There's Sobelman's. There's real chili. There's a lot of places that you've been to throughout the state of Wisconsin you just go to because that's, that, there's, that's been there. That's the staple. And. And they've been one of those for a long, long, long time, 38 years. Congratulations to everybody down at Stenny's. And they've got their big anniversary party going on today. So if you're uh, thinking about wings or food or 
a cold beverage or just want to go in and say hi and say congratulations for 38 years, small business owner and operator right here in the state of Wisconsin and in the city of Milwaukee, that is Stenny's. So congratulations to them. Um, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. A lot of reaction to what Matt LaFleur had to say. This is from Todd. Todd says, uh, Matt LaFleur couldn't sound more pissed off, irritated, and arrogant to talk down to us Packers fans. A lot of us really know what's going on with the Green Bay Packers, and we may not always get the subject correct, but we know what the hell we're looking at. And for him to try to correct us and say we drive him nuts or the media drives him nuts, his job is to concentrate on fixing the problems that we see. For him to get that mad or that upset and try to school us through the media is ridiculous. I am completely disappointed in Matt LaFleur and the Packers organization for this. Uh, This is from Mike. Mike says, uh, well, he says Matt LaFleur pointing out the flaws in some logic for people that are so quick to criticize the Green Bay Packers. However, we all can see what's going on. This team cannot stop the run. It's the same old song and dance we've heard for years and years. At what point do we tell Matt LaFleur, hey, Matt, the guy running the defense isn't getting it done. When are you going to wake up and realize that? Because it bugs us. You keep running his old ass out there week in and week out. That's from Mike. Mike, appreciate the email. Um, yeah, it, and again, uh, going back to that particular, uh, and if you're just tuning us in, Matt LaFleur was talking about nickel defense and pulling down linemen and such off. And he said, it gets him. And you know, it, 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 it shows like, like if you say it that way, then your acumen for football is less than his. Um, no, it's, it's, it's an understanding. I get that you use outside linebackers as linemen, as, as, as rushers. Um, but when you talk about, quote, down linemen, down linemen, down linemen is the look of a lineman in a three- or four-point stance. That's a down lineman. Otherwise, you're a stand-up outside rusher. So technically, the, ver- the usage of the terminology is correct for those that say that, whether it's myself or anybody else. So, But it's, it's, you're getting involved in semantics. The bottom line is you don't have a nose tackle or anybody that, that extra – defensive linemen to help stop the run and one of the things that and I wanted to explain this that is interesting is is the pros of this when you go to nickel the nickel and dime packages they're they're all used to defend a pass heavy offense okay slower linebackers they can't keep up with the speedy slot receivers and even to this day speedy tight ends so the added pass defense allows defenders to press and, you know, um, a, a defensive back can account for multiple receivers at that time through the route trees and such unless you're playing man up. So you can press and take away short yardage, quick route situations and, and things like that. The cons are the nickel and dime packages, they're vulnerable to the run. They're vulnerable to the run. The absence of that additional either linebacker or linemen creates a a one lesser and or smaller defense up front, which then gives the advantage to larger linemen and such, and therefore the run game and larger tight ends, uh, good blocking tight ends, and therefore it can be, you know, those personnel on the field defensively can be more easily moved around as far as the defenders go. So, look, it, it's, it's always um, a shell game. The personnel packages that they're running out or the personnel packages that you're going to run out and what you can do to get – it's always about matchups. 
You know, it's what you're trying to do and what leverage you're trying to get. And I understand that. But to get caught up in the semantics of the verbiage over the question of, hey, you don't have the extra down lineman, you're playing nickel and they're running the ball down your throat and you're giving up 200 yards, what, you know, what are you doing? And that's, that's instead of going, all right, you got us. All right, Joe was thinking this or, you know, we were thinking that. It, you know, well, it, p- it pisses me off when you say down lineman because the outside backers are used as down linemen. I get that. But you don't have that big extra body in the middle. That's what we're saying. Anyway, let's do this uh, because we went so long in that first segment. Let's step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Got a lot more to get to. Hang in there. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everywhere you look, from groceries to utilities to gas, prices keep going up. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin can dramatically help lower your energy costs year-round by replacing drafty windows and doors in as little as six weeks. And now you can save even more by taking advantage of no interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Whether you're updating or upgrading the look and comfort of your home, Pella has extensive lines of customizable options to meet your needs and your budget. Replacing drafty windows and doors can dramatically lower your energy costs. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy efficient windows in the industry. 0% interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Set your free in-home consultation today at PellaWI.com. Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. Continuing on, and thanks to our friends at uh, Dwayne's Cover It All, D-U-A-N-E-S, Dwayne's Cover It All in Wausau. And uh, whether it's a boat cover or bimini top, how about some upholstery, uh, maybe an awning around in front of your business, how about uh, the big wind sails uh, that people are putting out over their decks and such now or over their patios? He can do all of it. Uh, all you got to do is give him a call. Uh, just call him, 715-870-2119. And if you've got office furniture and such, uh, say a big office building, and rather than going out and buying all new office furniture, why not just have it refurbished? And he can redo the seating and such and the pads and all that good stuff. So check that out as well. Go to Cover It All, D-U-A-N-E-S, Dwayne'sCoverItAll.com. That is Dwayne'sCoverItAll.com. Or call him, 715-870-2119, 715-870-2119. He's also a big supporter of other small businesses in the area, too. Always doing good stuff with many of the businesses in the area. So there you go. Um, 877-867-1670. Uh, Thomas says Matt's getting a little pissy like Mike McCarthy did when we when he was coming to the end. Um, winning Gambler says Packers knew the offense would be bad this year and you didn't need a crystal ball to see Bakhtiari or Jones would be anywhere close to full-time players. Well, but but Aaron Jones went down because of the hamstring issue, and even that even that he's back. I mean, when when he's back, he's he's good. He's just had the hamstring issue. And hamstrings are a funny thing because if you don't let those completely one hundred percent heal, they become problematic throughout the entire season, for lack of a better term. They just they just are. 
Um, this is from Jake. Jake says, uh, hey, Bill, uh, I think Matt LaFleur is getting tested because he can kind of feel the noose tightening. People are calling him out on some of the decisions that he's made. When they haven't paid off, he doesn't have a way to defend it. So go after the media and go after us fans for getting something technically wrong while not correcting the problem or chastising Joe Barry for playing that that particular defense in a run situation. Um, yeah, I can see that. Um, winning Gambler says also this is going to be a big year for Goody. Interesting to see if he is ready to admit some of his past mistakes. He's always admitted his mistakes. I mean, go back. You don't need to look anything further than Amari Rogers, a third-round draft choice, and say, no, it didn't work out. Got rid of him after a year. I mean, that's that's a high draft choice to kick to the curb. You know, same thing with a guy like Josiah DeGuara. Uh, there's some misses, no doubt about it. And they, they've been pretty good about, you know, letting some of these guys kind of toil away to see if they get better and then eventually cutting them loose or uh, getting rid of them before that particular term comes to comes to pass. You know, so uh, it is what it is. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, um, by all means, go ahead and do so. 877-867-1670. Uh, let's do this. Stick around. We got a whole lot more. Another hour yet to go. Bill Michael Show going to continue on. That's coming up next. Next. 